sermon because I had about five comments when you look at the sheet of Bible verses and how many we have in there. I think several people were like, are you kidding me? We're going to go through all of these today? Meaning it's probably going to be a really long message. Um, I don't think so. That's why I was, re- I was revising it. Not really. I was just deciding how quickly I want to go through it. But So we'll get started. It's 10.45 right now. Therese did a, uh, a good set of music for us, worship music, and now I have about a half hour, hopefully maybe 45 minutes before we enjoy our fellowship meal. Uh, but this morning we're going to talk about uh, the Sermon on the Mount still. Uh, we're, we're still going through that, but I want to start out by saying that I was looking at a passage of Scripture recently, and I was reading through about seven or eight different commentaries, which is what I'll often do to find out if my initial assessment of the Scripture is you know, kind of common thread with everybody else. Sometimes it's not, and sometimes uh, I recalibrate my thinking, and other times I think they need to recalibrate their thinking, and I try and look at the whole of Scripture. And so I was reading this one particular passage, and, and I, I read about seven or eight commentaries and articles, and every commentator had the same belief about this is what Jesus is saying. And I thought, oh, okay, so this is, you know, if 100% of the people are saying this, it must be fairly accurate. Uh, and then I, I was like, oh, I'll read one more article. So I read one more, and this eighth or ninth article or commentary on this passage was completely different than the first seven or eight. And I thought, that is just strange. I've got to find out what this guy is, is teaching. So I started reading through his, his interpretation of it, and I, basically what he's saying is he was condoning this very egregious and abominable sin that God talks about in the Bible, and he was justifying it in his commentary, and I thought, how can he be so far off? So I, I started, I, it was in the San Diego Tribune, there was an article in the San Diego Tribune, which was the commentary, and I don't know why they printed it, well, I have an idea why they printed it. Uh, so I began to research this guy a little bit, and he had a name that you could click on. I clicked on his name, and it came to this beautiful website. This website had all of these, you know, uh, call me, write me, I'll come speak at your church. He's kind of a spiritual guide through Christianity. And I clicked on this part of the website that says, contact me if you want to have a conversation about spiritual things. And so I'm, click. And it said, here's my number. Uh, These are my open dates that you can call me and time frame. So click. I'm going to call this guy. And it said, uh, Thanks for reaching out. I'd love to talk all things spiritual and God. It's $125 for 50 minutes. I thought, so I'm going to pay, or these people are going to pay $125 to hear what they want to hear. Because on his website, it's very clear, and I, I, want to, I don't want to misquote it, it says he promises that if you are looking for confirmation that living this particular lifestyle is not sinful, I will affirm that God and the Bible do not call it sin. Click here for a time. We can talk for 40, 50 minutes for $125. And my mind automatically went to this passage in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They will not endure sound teaching, but they will 
uh, hearing, uh, but having itching ears, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. Because as I was reading this guy's website and I was looking at what he's teaching and what he's advocating, I thought, how can someone like this have such a humongous following? Because when you look at it, the numbers that he's, he's touting his, his, his church body and his growth and then the people that are listening to him and how much he speaks to people, I thought, how do people fall into this? And it's because oftentimes people want to surround themselves that are going to tell them what they want to hear. That's just the bottom line, and I'm surprised by it, but at the same time, the Bible says it's going to happen. So I, I, I continue to ponder this, and, and, I, and I was wondering, you know, why this sort of thing happens with passages in the Bible, and there's, there's several passages in the Bible that talk about things that are difficult for us as, as Christians, as human beings. They're difficult for us to understand, they're diff, difficult for us to you know, swallow the pill, so to speak, to, to accept it. And um, we look at throughout the, that's why there's a lot of passages in here. The first 11 verses or passages that we have are what I would consider tough teachings for a lot of people. I mean, Matthew chapter 10 talks about, you know, we, we, we hear this teaching that Jesus wants unity and he, and he, wants, he wants us to, to, to love one another and be united. And yet, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Think about this is the this is these are the words of Jesus. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So when he says, I've not come to bring peace, but division, I've come to divide, that's a tough teaching. We're not going to deal with that right now, but that's a teaching upon first reading. You go, what is that all about? I mean, Jesus, you hear the Christmas songs, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And yet, Jesus himself says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division. That's a tough teaching. Love your enemies. We've gone over the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. You must choose God or money. You can't have both. You've got to choose which one you love the most. Don't worry about anything. Don't have any anxiety. Instead, just seek kingdom and righteousness. Uh, many are on the path to destruction, and only a few find the way to life. Many are called, few are chosen. That's a teaching that we see in the New Testament from Jesus. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Follow Jesus. Deny me, deny what I want, and follow Jesus. That's what Jesus says. Again, a tough teaching for a lot of people to swallow. Uh, There is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't like to think about that, do we? And that's why there's books written called Erasing Hell. Because we don't want to think about the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, which is talked about in the New Testament. How about this? Rejoice when you are persecuted. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I've been persecuted. Is that how it goes? You don't rejoice. How do you rejoice when you're persecuted? That's a tough teaching in the New Testament. Um, This word here, hate. The world hated Jesus, so expect the world to hate Jesus. Christians. 
John 15, 18 through 20. That word hate means to detest, to have a strong aversion to, or to loathe. That's what the word hate means. Now, the word hate in the other passage in Matthew 10 about hating your mother and father is a different Greek word. It's maseo, which means to love less. This word is to loathe, detest, to have a strong aversion to. And and Jesus says, the world hated me, they're going to hate you as well. That's a hard teaching. How about this one, finally? Jesus is the only way to God, John chapter 14. Jesus is the only way to God. And if you go to Acts 4.12, when it says, there is no other name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. So this ecumenical belief that all roads of all religions lead to one God, according to this passage, is incorrect. Acts 4.12, so there's no other name given to men. It's Jesus. That's it. Now, these are obviously some teachings that, along with some others, that we could have a whole another long lesson on. They cause division. They cause confusion. Uh, they cause chasms within the church, because within Christianity as a whole, because people will read these passages... And instead of just embracing those passages and going, wow, this is what Jesus said, I've got to figure out a way to sugarcoat it and soften it because it offends people that I know. It offends me. It offends my family. It offends my parents. It offends my friends. It offends my teachers. It offends my coaches. It offends me. So I'm going to change a little bit and twist and tweak and distort the scriptures to suit my own desires. And it's only going to cost you $125. That's the world we live in. That's the, 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 the Christianity that we see in this world. Uh, I talked last week about Matt. Uh, a lot of you guys know Matt Sod. He's dealing with an issue right now at uh, the church that him and his family attend in Nebraska. And he is an elder there. And uh, I, after the message on Sunday, he called me and he says, uh, hey, we had some more things happen at church and I just want to run it by it. And so I've been a sounding board for him. And one of the other leaders in that church, one of the other elders, said to Matt via text message, he's forwarded me all this stuff, he says, I'm very disappointed, Matt, in that meeting uh, that this gentleman was supposed to be at, because he's an elder, but he wasn't. Uh, I'm disappointed, I heard at the meeting there was some fallout, and I thought you said we were going to have unity. And this is the same elder that refuses to answer what marriage is according to God. This is the same elder that refuses to acknowledge that there are certain sins that are very obvious in Scripture, but I don't want to acknowledge them because it's going to offend people, so we're not going to talk about that. We want unity. And I was talking to Peg this morning, and I said, how can you have unity but not agreement? Like, I don't understand that. Like, how can you be so opposed on something that's doctrinal and that's God-ordained? How can you be unified on those things? if you're not in agreement. And Amos says, how can two to walk together? Amos 3, 3, how can two walk together if they're not in unity? How can you walk, how can, how can a husband and wife walk, uh, wife walk side by side if they're not unified in what they're going to teach and believe and care about? It's just, you have to be unified. So Matt's dealing with that, and, and I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that People are not going to agree on what this says. They're they're just not. That's why we have 900 denominations in this world. They're just not going to agree 
what the scriptures teach on certain hardline items. And my conclusion is that when you take a hardline opposition to the Word of God, and you refuse to study the Word of God to find out what God really means, that's a dangerous place to be. We are talking about we are talking about the creator of the universe. And I know I've said this over and over in messages before, but I was, I was praying about it. I was working on my prayer life this morning, and I was praying, and, and, and part of my prayer was, God, you're, how you've made the human body is amazing. I mean, how you've made it to heal so quickly. How's he doing, by the way? Is he doing good, healing good? Uh, a little, not a little cut, but his body is healing itself because that's how God has designed it. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then when we think about who this God is, and we just kind of go, eh, you know, God loves me. I, I had a, this, I hope this doesn't go too long, guys, but I hope you stay engaged. I had a meeting with one of my players, uh, past players, on Friday. And I said, you wear that cross around your neck. He asked me to write him a letter of recommendation. And I said, you, write, you wear that. I said, come to my office and we're going to talk. I said, if you need me to write this letter of recommendation, it's going to cost you an hour for free. But it's going to cost you an hour. You're going to have to listen to me for an hour. And he walks in. He got off of work. He comes in. I said, so I, we wrote the letter. And I said, this is, what needs, this is what you probably need to have. And so we wrote it. And I printed it off. And he said, well, thanks, coach. I said, no, 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 sit down. I'll give you the letter. And then we're going to talk. I said, what does that cross mean around your neck? I need, I need to know what your belief system is. What is, that, what is the cross? And he said, well, basically that Jesus died so that we can live you know, free and, and live how we want to live. I said, that's, that's not right. He goes, oh. I said, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying that's what you've been taught, but that's not right. That's not biblical. This is what it means to be a Christian. And so this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So what I would recommend is you either take the cross off or wear the cross boldly and live according to what he says. That, that's, that's your, that, those are your two choices. There's not this middle ground because God is not some God that just gives us the sacrifice that just allows us to live however we want to live. That's not who Jesus is. I think you spoke on that in your communion uh, about the, the getting out of jail, the blood was purchased for us, our sins, it gets out. But the, the grace is allowing us to live life according to the Word of God. According, That's what the Spirit does for us. It helps us. So, as we go through these passages this morning, uh, we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. But again, I've, I've, I want to I hammer down on this idea that the Word... The Word is important. But what the Word teaches is essential for our lives and our walks as Christians. And I love the fact that Jesus was so bold. It's one of my favorite attributes of God. It encourages me as a man, to, as a man it encouraged me to see how Jesus responded to accusation and to people being frustrated with him. It's, it's, it's like you have somebody that I can look at, and I, can, I can't speak from a woman's perspective, but from a man's perspective, I can look at the creator of the universe who was there at the beginning did it this way. 
So what do I have to be ashamed of? Like that's my, that's my benchmark. That's, that's, who I'm trying to, that's who I'm trying to measure up to. And in this passage in Matthew 15, the apostles came to him and they said, he, Jesus called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Defiles a person. So he's saying it's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's what's coming from your heart is what makes you unclean. He talks about that in other passages in Scripture. The disciples came to Jesus and said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Jesus, you spoke against the Mosaic law. You spoke about something that's been in existence for, for 2,000 years. You spoke against it. And you've offended the highest of the high, the religious leaders of the day. You've offended them. And Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. He didn't say, well, bring them back here. I want to I make sure that they're okay. I want to make sure they understand what I was saying. He just said, let them fall into a pit. Let, they're, they're blind guides. They don't understand my word. And that's the beauty. Jesus doesn't apologize for what he teaches. When he says, I have come to bring, I have come to bring division, he, he doesn't apologize for that. When he says, you're going to be hated as Christians, he doesn't apologize for that. When he says, forgive those who have sinned against you, he doesn't apologize. He just says, this is what it means to be my disciple. And that is a difficult teaching for people. Because it cuts to the heart and it makes us decide whether or not we truly are going to be a disciple of Jesus. And many will say, I don't want it. And we, we see that in John chapter 6, he teaches them something in John chapter 6, and it was a difficult teaching. And after he taught them in, in John chapter 6, in verse 66, it says, after this, after he taught them that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father, and it says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. It was a tough teaching, and many said, I don't want it. I, I, I can't do this anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> There's nothing better than this right here. He had the wisdom, and he had the experience with Jesus, and he had the heart to know that that's his Jesus, Jesus is as good as it gets. But there's many people that are going to walk away. I find it interesting. Uh, I did this little numerology study because when it says many of his disciples turned back and no longer walk with him, it's 666. I think it's just like coincidence, maybe. You know that 666 is the mark of the beast in Revelation? And in John 666 is they no longer followed him. So, anyway, I'm not going to get on that rabbit trail. All right. So, there are plenty of teachings from Jesus that are hard to accept, 
Are we in that group? Do we really believe in what the Bible teaches and specifically what the Sermon on the Mount says? So we're going to continue to go in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, it's been 50, for those of you keeping track, Latham and Ridge now, you got him doing it. They're timing me every Sunday. Uh, we're going to look at this Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to continue on. Last week, uh, I preached on the concept of judging others. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to get on the podcast and listen to while you're driving about judging other people. And uh, we'll, go, we'll start there in 7-1 again, judging others. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The next verse says, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw away your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So the passage that I mentioned that I was studying commentaries on, that we had seven or eight groups of of commentaries and opinions that all had the same basic idea of what Jesus meant here. There was one that didn't, and the one that did not have the same belief system as the other seven or eight basically said on his website, this Christian pastor, that there is a teaching of Buddha on his website. He said there is a teaching of Buddha that brings clarity to what Jesus is saying here. He is saying that because a pearl is is made up uh, from trash in the sea that gets caught up, that the rest of our sin is not really sin, that we need to look at it as something beautiful from God. It was like the weirdest topsy-turvy twisting of Scripture that I've seen in a long time, and that's why I wanted to call him and ask him if he knew he was a false teacher or that devil had deceived him. I, couldn't, I didn't know how I was going to approach that conversation, but I was going to. Like, there's no way I'm giving this guy $125. Because I'd spend 50 minutes trying to convert him, and I wouldn't, and it would cost me 125 bucks to fail, and I didn't want to do that. So, why is this passage, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw away your pearls before pigs, lest, pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you? Why is this such a difficult teaching? And every, so, so just so you know real quick, pearls equals pearls. It's actually the pearls in the, in the Greek and in, in the original language. I looked it up through the interlinear. A pearl is a pearl. When it says holy, it means sacred. The word pigs is swine. Dogs is dogs. And so he's saying, don't pass the holy and the sacred to the pigs or the dogs. Don't give to the pigs and the dogs what's holy and sacred. We're not going to read all the passages, but I've never found in the Bible, and I looked again, I haven't found in the Bible a really positive spin on dogs or pigs in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. It talks about the dogs and the pigs Dogs being these mutilators, these false teachers. It talks about pigs uh, being the demons say, let us go in the pigs so we can jump off. They're an unclean animal. The dogs are outside of heaven in the book of Revelation. The dogs, the sorcerers, the immoral. So dogs and pigs are never looked at as a really positive uh, group of animals. So he's saying, don't give your pearls to them. Now, People have struggled with this passage in Matthew 7 to find its meaning because 
In Matthew 7, you have the judging others, 1 through 5, or 1 through 6, 1 through 5. You have the judging others, and then the next verse, you have the pigs and the dogs and the pearls, and don't give it to them. So they're saying, how does the pigs and the dogs and the pearls tie into judging others? And this was every commentary I read, it says, well, what Jesus is saying is that there's this, there's this discernment we're supposed to have about giving what is sacred to, to pigs and dogs. Don't do that. And I thought, well, maybe Jesus just changed the subject. Because we, we didn't have, when we originally wrote, when the book was originally written, when the letters were written, when the Gospels were written, there was no book, chapter, verse. It was written right to left, not left to right. And there was no title that says judging others or asking it will be given or the golden rule or tree and its fruit. It just had the letters in there in the Hebrew, the Aramaic or the Greek, and they were written right to left. And we broke it up when the, when the Bible was put together. So no more than when it says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, that has nothing to do with judging others. It's just a new subject line. So is it possible, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but is it possible that Jesus is introducing another nugget of teaching to his apostles? Is it possible he's gone from, don't judge other people or you're going to have the same judgment put upon you, Look at, clear, clean your own life out before you start judging other people? And then he goes, oh, and by the way, don't, don't give what's sacred and holy to dogs and pigs. Don't, don't give, give it to them. Because the next passage that he talks about is ask and it will be given. How does that tie into the pigs and the dogs and the pearls? It doesn't. So it's possible that yes, he's talking about discernment. Don't judge other people, but discern whether or not you should give what is sacred to people. And if they're pigs or dogs, don't give it to them. Or he's maybe just bringing up another subject, another nugget to teach his people on. So, what does it mean? In the book of Luke, chapter 9, Jesus, and Brendan and I were watching uh, The Chosen the other day, and this was actually the, the, the story, I think it was season 3, episode 3. Is that right? I think so. It was talking about the... the uh, the time when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he's sending out the 12. He says, this is, you, I've chosen you 12 to go out and exponentially grow the kingdom of God. You're going to go to the different ends of the earth. You're going to go teach about me. And then he says this. In verse, chapter 9, verse 1, Luke 9, 1, he says, And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there you depart, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Okay? And wherever they do not receive you, when they do not accept the good news of Jesus, when they do not accept the gospel message, dust off your feet and leave. Your hands are clear. Now, I asked, why is this a tough question? 
Why is this a tough teaching? Like the first 11 passages you have in your notes. I think it's tough because as humans, it's hard for us to accept that people don't want the cure. It's hard for us to accept that we love someone so much and we say, there's, there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved, and that's Jesus. There's nobody else but Jesus that's going to get you to the promised land. And it's hard for us to accept that our best friend will not listen, or our sibling, or a mother, or a father. It's hard for us to accept that. And the reason this is a tough teaching is because Jesus is saying, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before swine. Don't keep shoving the gospel message to people that don't want it. And why? Because there are a million people out there. The fields are ripe. There are people out there that want to hear the gospel message. And if someone says, I don't want it, I'm not interested, even if it's your closest family member, don't keep giving them the gospel. Let your life be the gospel, but go and take the time that you're going to invest in that and share with people that God is putting in your path. He says, I will make you fishers of men, and I love fishing down the Gunnison River, but I am not going to stay on the same hole over and over and over and over if I'm not going to get a bite. I'm going to walk 50 yards up the bank and I'm going to find a ripple and I'm going to go, I'm going to try that. And I might catch one there. And if I don't, I'm going to go 20 yards up the river bank and I'm going to fish there. I'm not going to stay in the same hole over and over and over again. That's what I think Jesus is telling us here. And it's hard for us to accept that. I've got friends that I've shared the gospel with and they're just like, Hey, not interested. Or, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. They still call me brother because I've been friends with them since I was 14 years old. 30 years I've been friends with them. I, I appreciate you sharing that with me, brother, but just, it's just not for me. Okay. I'm not going to go, well, you're going to hell. It's going to go, okay. I'm going to go cast my pearls, the gospel, other people and see if they will accept it. And if they don't, I'm going to move on to the next one. Uh, one of my mentors told me a story. He, and You guys have heard this story before. Some of you have. He uh, was a youth minister and there was his kids who are now adults, uh, old, older than I am. They had two friends that they brought to church. Uh, a 14-year-old a brother and a sister. 12 and 15 or whatever, 14, 15, brother and sister, they came to church, they were unchurched people, and the, the brother and sister became Christians. And my mentor said, well, this is an opportunity to meet the family. So he, they had a bus ministry, and so they took the kids home one day, and they went up to the door, and he says, hey, I'd like to visit with you and study with you uh, if you're interested to hear about what your kids are learning. And they said, yeah, that'd be great. So he goes, and he sets up a meeting, and he studies with them on a 
you know, one day and one week he studies with them and they go, man, this is great, thank you, and we'll see you next week. Okay. So he goes back the next week and he studies with them again. They're like, this is great, we're going to think on it, we, we're, we're liking what we're hearing, I can understand why the kids have decided to follow Jesus, we'll see you next week. So he's getting excited, he's like, we're going to get a whole family here that's going to give their life to the Lord. So he goes to the third week, and they meet him at the door and they say, would you please come in and sit down, um, I, I want to I share with you something we've been thinking about. And he's going, okay, they're going to make a decision. They've, decided, they've counted the costs, they've looked at the facts, and they're going to make a decision to follow God. And they sit him down, and, and I wrote this down because I called him yesterday, and he said, can you tell me exactly what was said if you remember? And he goes, yeah. We are listening. He, they said, Hollis, we are listening. We are believing. And we know if we continue to study with you, we will become Christians, and we don't want it. And he said, they were sweet about it. They, they were nice about it. They weren't mean. They weren't rude. They just said, we're starting to believe it and we don't want it. So should he have gone back there every day and said, just curious if you've changed your mind. Not according to Jesus. Now, spoke the truth in love and maybe Five years down the road, something happens, and they call and say, can we talk? We didn't want it, but now we need it. Can you explain to us some more? You always leave the door open, but you move on. And that's what I think Jesus is saying here. One missionary from uh, oh, Africa said, in regards to this passage, in Swahili, we have a proverb that humorously states, when offering something of great value to someone who cannot appreciate it is akin to playing a guitar for a goat, and the goat will not understand or enjoy the beautiful music. That's a Swahili saying, and I thought it was apropos for this. They just they won't get it. They won't understand. And it's like, why do you speak in parables? Well, because uh, those that hear and want to hear will hear. Those that don't want to hear won't hear. They, their hearts are dull. Their hearts are callous. Their hearts are hard. They don't want to hear it. And that's just going to be the case with many of our Friends and our family and strangers. They don't want to hear it. James chapter 4 says, Friendship with the world is enmity towards God. That word enmity is hatred. Friendship with the world is hatred towards God. So I, I've kind of changed after reading some of this. I've changed a little bit of my perspective on relations that I, relationships I have outside of the church body. Um, I have uh, acquaintances. I have friends that are unchurched non-believers, and I don't preach at them every time I see them. I don't spend a ton of time with them. It's not edifying to me. It doesn't build me up in my faith, but I don't preach at them when I see them every time. I'm just going to keep living life with my wife and my kids and with you guys and doing the best I can so one day they go, why does it always work out? <laughs> Why, why when it gets hard does it work out? It seems like you get upset for a minute and then everything's good and you're like, ah, it's going to work out. Why? Well, because God. I'm going to live my life in a way that they can see that. One more thing, it's been 35 minutes, so I'm going to give myself about 6 to 8 to 10 more, maybe 30, but we're going to go through a couple of more passages to, to hammer down a little bit on what Jesus is saying is do not... Do not give what is sacred to 
the dogs, to the pigs. You're not giving us holy. And I was thinking about this in my brother Matt, who's dealing with this thing, with these, these, with these other leaders that are just refusing to acknowledge truth. And I thought, well, what about this idea that Jesus prays in John chapter 17 about unity? He says, I pray that you may be unified so that the world may know that I have come. And there's this unity perspective, which is where we get this idea of ecumenism, which is all roads lead to Jesus. And it really tends to separate the fact that there is a, a doctrine, a belief system, a body of teaching that we need to adhere to, that we need to be passionate about, that we need to be addicted to like the apostles were in Acts chapter 2. So there's a passage in the book of Titus, and, and Titus was written by Paul to Titus, who's kind of like his son in the faith, and him and Timothy. In Titus chapter 3, we're going to flip back a page in a minute, but in Titus chapter 3, verse, uh, we'll start in verse 8. Uh, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. And then he says in verse 9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Now, I want to focus on this passage. As for a person who stirs up division, okay? It never tells us, like, who's in the right or the wrong here. It, on the division part. Because let's say, let's say, uh, let's say, our elder Steve gets up and he preaches next week. I'm not asking you to. I'm planning on preaching next week. But let's say he comes up next week and goes, you know what, I've been studying this subject for 15 years and I didn't want to say anything, but I've decided that Jesus is not the only way and that there's other ways we can be right with God. It could be Buddha. It could be Gandhi. It could be the flower that you worship, the sun, Whatever. But it, it, Jesus is not the only way. And half of you are like, I knew it. Steve is a brilliant man. He studies the word. He's been a Christian his whole life. Finally, he cracked the code. Steve's right. And your guys are over here. And then I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Acts 4.12 says this. And the book of John says this. And you guys are like, I'm over here. Who's causing division? Steve or me? I'm disagreeing with him, he's disagreeing with me, and you guys are, you're split. So Paul tells Titus, isn't that, that's kind of a hard one, right? You've got to use discernment. But what are you discerning? What are you, what are you basing your belief on? Is it the fact that he's an engineer and I'm a lowly builder? That he understands math and I don't? What are you basing it on? And so when you go back and you flip back a page to 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul also addresses Timothy. And he says, in verse 22, 2.22 says, So flee youthful passions. He's giving advice to Timothy. Flee youthful passions 
and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. What is truth? What is truth, Pilate says? The Word is truth. The Word is truth. We have got to be absolutely fearful of understanding what this Word says so we don't get sucked in to the $125 a 50-minute session where someone's going to tell you what your itching ears want to hear. And so if there's people out there that are speaking the Word of God, they're speaking truth, and you go, ah, that offends me, good. If it offends you, then we need to transition into what the Word says so that on the day of judgment we may be saved. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And when Jesus says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, do not give what is sacred to the pigs, don't give the divine to people that don't want it, we've got to understand this is the divine. And if, there, if, I, if I die tomorrow, today, I hope that they say about me, when he preached, he was always talking about the importance of following the Word of God. There are too many smart, articulate, creative preachers out there they are going to tell you what you want to hear. But is that what you really want? I want someone that's going to challenge me. It's going to say, hey brother, what are your thoughts on this? Because I notice this. What are your thoughts? Well, here's my thoughts. Oh, okay, well, I think your thoughts are outside of God's will. And here's why. Wow, thank you for gently correcting me so that I can be in step with the Father. So I can be in step with the Son. Instead of, you know what, I think I, I in fact, I know a guy I can call that's going to tell me exactly what I want to hear. And then I'll be good. So, appreciate it, but no thanks. You see the, the difference in the spirit of humility that we come before the Father, the creator of the universe with? It's a tough teaching. Matthew 7, we've all got friends, we've all got family, we all have loved ones that are gone, not interested. Last, last little bit about that. I don't want you to walk away here uh, going, well, I'm just going to give up on anybody that says, no, I'm not interested in God or church or anything. Uh, sometimes there's just a, another way. Um, the Bible says we plant and water and God gives the increase. Our job is to share the gospel and no prayers return empty to God. Um, and so we're, we're going we're gonna to plant, we're going to water, and then God will do what he's going to do. But there was, a, there was a group of people that were, again, in this African tribe. There were missionaries that went over to this African mission trip. And they said, hey, how, how do you guys do your mission work? We're in this Christian community. How do you uh, witness to these other tribes and stuff that are uh, out there that are 
monothe or polytheistic. They have all these different gods and they worship. And they said, well, we don't bring pamphlets and, and we don't, you know, preach at them all day. What we do is we send out two mission families and we, we insert them into the tribes. And the mission families live amongst them. And people will start recognizing that they're doing things differently. And when they recognize it, that's when they seem to come to Jesus, when they start asking questions like, something's different. Something's different. Now, I'm a firm believer, as somebody once said, you know, uh, speak the gospel loudly and whenever necessary, use words. I don't totally agree with that statement because Romans chapter 10 says, how can they believe without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, Romans chapter 10. And so we are called to go out and speak the gospel, to speak Jesus, to speak the word. If they accept it, excellent. Praise God. If they don't, dust off your feet, don't cast your pearls, move on to the next fishing hole. That's my understanding of Matthew chapter 7. So next week, uh, I will be preaching on Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7. So God bless you guys. Uh, we have fellowship meal after this. Hopefully you guys can join us if you're here. And after that, we do have a uh, Emily from Project 127 is giving us uh, some training rundown on what it looks like if we want to be a church body that helps families that are in need of some spiritual guidance uh, and some, some relationships that may help their families kind of get back on the right track. So I hope you guys can be for, there for that. Uh, communion is Ginaldo. All right.